Well, we start a new series today, and that series we're gonna start on is, is, is talking about um, the generous life. And I thought it uh, was great that here we are coming into the season of Thanksgiving, um, an opportunity to talk about a, a generous life and what that means. Um, I think if we look at the scriptures and if we're gonna be good students of the scriptures, um, we not only wanna know like what the books of the Bible have to say, but, but we also wanna make sure that we understand what the focus of God's words are. And, and, I, and I bet if, uh, some of you might not know this, but let me just share this with you. If you were to look at all of the teachings of Jesus, we would see that Jesus talks about the kingdom's coming. We'd see that Jesus talks about relationships. We'd see that Jesus talks about love and the relationship with God and each other. We see that Jesus talks about a lot of things. But the one thing that he talked the most about was about generosity. I mean, he talked about how to be a generous person. He talked about you know, what it means to, to be a person who, who's wired in such a way that, that we are living like, uh, like God wants us to live here on earth and through our uh, ability, through our financial resources, through our ability of our service hours and our, and our love for others and serving God through the local church that we can make a difference and therefore generosity is there. How important was this for Jesus? Let's look at what Jesus says here in Matthew 6. Where your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will be also. So think about that. What are the things that you hold dearest to your heart? That's the highest value item that you will have in your life. And Jesus said, wherever, whatever it is that you treasure, wherever your treasure is, however you're holding on to that in your heart, that that's the things that where your heart and where your thoughts are gonna be, they're gonna be focused on those kind of things. Now, throughout the Gospels, uh, we see that, that um, the words of the Scriptures tell us that, that money is not a bad thing, that, that giving our time is not a bad thing. It's, it's when we love those things that we cross the line. So we, what we realize is what the scripture says is that, that building a heart of generosity is a part of God's plan. Um, let's, uh, let's get something straight real quick this morning, and that is that God wants all of us to have success in life. Nowhere in the scriptures do I read where it says that God doesn't want us to have success in life. When I talk about success, I'm not talking about the biggest house in the neighborhood. I'm not talking about the, the most investments that anyone could ever have. What I'm talking about is, is joy and happiness. And what we realize is, is that no matter what all we have with, with wealth in this world, cash cannot buy joy and it cannot buy happiness. So God says that a way for us to be joyful and happy is that we need to make sure that we're keeping our eyes on God. That God is the center and the focus, the number one priority in everything that we see in life. In Matthew 19, Jesus tells this um, incredible story. He talks about a, a, a guy, he calls him the rich young ruler. Some of the translations in, in the scriptures call it a, uh, a rich, wealthy young person or a, or, a, or a wealthy business person, however you want to term that. We know that this was a person who had a lot of assets of the earth. And we don't know how he got all these assets. We don't know if it was inherited. We don't know if he just like worked hard and had, you know, like a, a new app that he sold on Google and, and it went exploded or anything like that. We just, we just know that he had a lot of money. And what we find out is, is that, that he runs to Jesus. And, and in this chapter, he runs to Jesus and he asks a, a really great question. And it's probably a question that many of us have asked um, ourselves or we've asked God sometime in our life. What must I do to inherit eternal life. 
Now, if you think about that, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus really laser focuses down on this and looks at the guy and he says, Here, here's a couple of things. He said, you need to honor the commandments. He says, don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. In fact, lo- love and honor your parents and respect them. And, and, this, uh, and, and Jesus goes through some of the laws of the, of the prophets and of the Torah. And, and this, this young guy looks at the Lord and he goes like, well, I, I've done all that. Is there, is there anything else? I mean, I've kind of like collected all those things in my little box. Is there anything else that I must do to have eternal life? And Jesus says these words. Let's, listen to what he says. He says, if you want to be perfect, he says, go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. Now, let's hold this scripture up here for a second. If you want to be perfect, now, perfection wasn't that there's no flaws. What he meant was if you wanted to be um, in agape love with God, loving God with everything that there's about you and loving neighbor self, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be perfect in love, then I want you to do something. But in order to be perfect in love, you have to do a self-assessment in your own life. And you and I, we all have to look at what is it that we treasure the most in our life? Is it our spouse? Is it our children? Is it, some, is it a motorbike? Is it a car? Is it a, is it a, a, a house? Um, is it our, our investments? Is it, what is it? Is it our status in the community? What is it we treasure the most? Jesus says, once you identify what that is, Go and sell it, get rid of it, get it out of your life, and give, it to the, give the proceeds of that to the poor. And that's when you will be ready to follow me, he said, because I will be number one in your life. Now, if you're like me, you've asked that question. If you're like me, you've, you've wrestled with that. If you're like me, you've gotten to a point where you've said to yourself, is God really number one in my life? And um, you, know, you think about children and you think about spouses and you think about relationships. You think about all these things. Is God really number one or are all these other things number one? You see, God, God knows how we value things. And, and I don't think what Jesus is saying in that text, I don't think Jesus is saying that we're all supposed to be poor. I don't think Jesus is saying that we're all supposed to live in poverty. I don't think Jesus is saying that we're supposed to be impoverished, that we're supposed to be like paupers. I think he knew exactly what this young man worshiped. And, and, and just as he would know what you worship and what I worship, he knew what this guy worshiped. And he said, this is the one thing, because I know this is the needle, that if I, if I prick you with it, that it's really gonna hurt. It's gonna make you scream and jump because you're not gonna wanna get rid of it. I'm gonna really test you. Will you do this? And of course, the story says that the, that the young man wouldn't do it. He just kind of walked away, walked away hopeless. So God understands that, that the way we view money is, is a window into our overall principles. God, God knows how we, how we view our ability to serve him, how we work for the kingdom, how we give of our time and service uh, for the kingdom's purpose. God knows in all those things that that's a window into our heart. And, and basically he knows that, that we put our time and we put our money into things that we value. So how many of us have on our schedule things that we uh, spend money on that, that, that have no value to us? Probably nobody. How many of us are, are doing things that we don't value with our time? Probably none of us. Time and money is, is always hard to come by, right? So we're only gonna invest in the things that mean the most to us. So if we had to be honest, the, the question this morning is what do you value? What is it that, that you value the most? Where does your money go? Where does your time go? How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? If, if Jesus were here today, 
Could you, could you say to him that I'm following you in my time and in my resources the way that you have asked me to? What would you say? What would that look like to you? Matthew 10, 8, Jesus says, give as freely as you have received. So what he's saying is, is don't, don't hold on to your time. Don't hold on to your volunteer opportunities. Don't, don't like say no to, to doing kingdom work so that you can say yes to things that don't make kingdom matters work. Don't do that with your money either. And he says, if you spend your time, and if you spend your resources by doing the will and the work of God, he says, great things will happen. Now, what is it we learn from the scripture? The scripture says that, that, we, we, that God wants the whole world to be reconciled. That God wants all the things that have gone wrong in the world, that when we let sin in and when, we've, when we corrupt things and through our depravity, when we live a life of, of, of sin, God says, I want all that to go away and I want to reconcile the world back to me. I want to bring it all back into goodness to me. So what we understand is, is that when we, when we take our resources and we send that back into God, let me tell you what happens we start meeting people for Jesus. We start helping people get fed. We start working with government to deal with laws that maybe are harsh on some justice issues. We, we can go across the street to Highlands Park and, and meet our new neighbors that are moving in. When, when, we, when we use our resources for Jesus, what we can also find out is, is that, that our work makes a, a huge difference. And, and even our ability to live stream, did you know our ability to live stream? That not only do we live stream locally, that people locally see us, but people around the state, around the country. A couple of weeks ago at our nine o'clock worship, I met a lady who worships with us every Sunday. She said, I have to stop what I'm doing because I'm in a different time zone. I'm thinking, okay, you're in Alabama. You're like an hour different. She says, I live in France. Six hours. Folks, would you stop what you're doing in your day six hours ahead so that you could spend a time worshiping with your church live streaming? So, so, so what we see is how we invest our time. But here's the one thing that, that I really believe that no one has ever regretted the virtue of generosity. I don't think I've met anybody yet who have said, boy, I wish I hadn't been as generous to that person as I, as I was. In 25 plus years of ministry, I've never had someone come into my office for pastoral or spiritual uh, or life counseling or coaching and say, my life is all torn up, my life is horrible because I'm just too generous of a person. It's just never happened. So, so what, we do, what I do know is, is that, that, that uh, people, aren't, um, people don't regret being generous, but they do regret not being generous enough. And think about that for a second. So when, when was the last time a situation happened and, and out of your generosity, you could have been a blessing to somebody, however you want to interpret that. But because of whatever choice you made, uh, you were running late for something or you didn't want to have time or you didn't want to be bothered by it or gosh, I don't want to have to take that other phone call or I'm done for the day. You know, it's uh, Wine Wednesday or whatever you want to do it, you know. But uh, I, I don't have time, I, I, I got to go. When was the last time you blessed somebody? And that's the point is, is sometimes we regret that because we, we haven't blessed them enough. And God says generosity is huge on that. In fact, in fact if you look all throughout the scriptures, uh, we find out that life is built on rhythms, that there's a rhythm to life. You know, you, you breathe, your breathing has a rhythm in and out. Your heartbeat has a rhythm, open, close. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a choice every morning. Every morning we, we have a rhythm. We wake up every morning and our rhythm is one of two things. Good morning, Lord, or good Lord, it's morning. You know, I mean, those are rhythms. 
And when we read the scriptures, we find out that, that, the, that the rhythms of life are as follows. God says, if you wanna be closer to me, then you need a rhythm of prayer in your life. If you wanna be uh, my disciple, then you need to you know, have a, a rhythm where you read the scriptures daily. If you wanna be a part of my plan, then, then you need to have a rhythm of love and understanding and forgiveness. If you wanna, it's rhythm, it's rhythm, it's rhythm. But he also says that there's a, a rhythm of generosity that we can't be in love with God and not love what God's work is into the, into the community and the world. That we can't love God and just love ourselves, but that we must love others and we do that through generosity. The Apostle Paul outlines for us the rhythm of generosity in, in his first letter to the church in Corinth. And, and here's something we have to understand about Paul. Paul wrote several letters. In fact, uh, we have several of the letters. We don't have all of Paul's letters in what we call the Bible today, but we have, we have some of them. And what we find out is, is that Paul is constantly writing these new Christian communities. In fact, they were called followers of the way at that time. Jesus was the way. They were followers of the way. So, so Paul is writing them, and in all of his letters, he's really answering their questions. So he's catching word uh, from Rome, and he's catching word from Corinth and Galatia and Philippi and, and all of these other regions, and he's catching word about how early believers and followers of Jesus were struggling. They needed to know about doctrine. They needed to know about resurrection. They needed to know about relationships. So in all of his letters, Paul is actually writing back saying, these are the answers to the questions that you have. I mean, kind of be like going on, you know, trying to find a new healthcare network, you know, frequently asked questions. Can I find a good one? No. Can I, you know, I mean, but you know, so, so it's, it's these questions. So what we learn in, in his first letter to the church in Corinth is he's dealing with some vast subjects. He's, he's answering questions on doctrine. He's answering questions on relationships. He's answering uh, questions on what it means to be the church in chapter 13, what it means to be in love, what it means to love more than anything else and that love's the highest value even over faith and hope. He talks about idolatry. He talks about cleanliness laws. He talks about holiness. But if you've, ever, if you've ever poured into the life of somebody else, and let's say you sit them down and you're, and you're constantly pouring into them and you've got like 30 minutes and you're just going over and over and over, what's the one thing that that person's gonna remember before they leave? It's the last thing you tell them, right? What's gonna be the last thing you remember about today's sermon? Nothing. But anyway, um, but so it's gonna be the last thing that I tell you. And that's what Paul did. Paul said that, that there's, there's all these things we're gonna talk about, but then it gets to chapter 16, the end of the first letter to the church in Corinth. So Paul's talked about resurrection, he's talked about all those other things, and then what's the last thing that he wants us to know because it's the most important thing. Listen to what it says. About the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Stop there. This isn't something that he's just specifically saying to the church in Corinth. Paul says this is a rhythm. This is a way of life for all of the Christian churches, all of the followers of Jesus. This is a way of life. This is how you're supposed to do it. He says, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will ever have to be made. Guys, can you imagine walking into a church on Sunday and never seeing a time of offertory, of never having to see a bucket or a plate come around where, where we ask you to give a gift back to God. Can you imagine that time? 
I mean, that's what Paul is saying, that, that we shouldn't have to just like intentionally do these things, but that, but that if we all just honored God and set aside our best from the first day, that, that God would have what was honored and, and God's work would complete and, and, and move forward without any, without any problems. He says, then when I arrive, I'll give you letters um, of introduction to the men that you approve. So in other words, um, you're gonna approve the people that are taking this offering, um, prove and send them on with your gift to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was like, like the hub at that particular point. That's where James was, quote unquote, the bishop of the church of Jerusalem, the, the, the half-brother of Jesus. So James is there, and, and so he says, bring it all to that place, and if it seems advisable for me, I'll go also, and they will accompany me. So Paul says, in order to be a follower of Jesus, you and I have to take what is our best, and we've got to give our best first to God. How much time do you have in a day? How much time do you have in a week? How much time do you have in a month or a year? You take the best of that time block and you get your calendar and you draw a big red X through it. I tell that to to new couples that are getting married. We talk about red X time. Take out your calendar. Before you put anything else on it, put some red X's on dates that are only for the two of you and you cannot compromise those dates and then fill in everything else. So how will you, how will I, how will we give our best of our time, our talents and our monies to God before anything else that we do. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, don't do it last, but do it first. And I think for a lot of us, we look at, you know, well, I know what my mortgage bill is, I know what my car bill or my rent bill is, I know what my you know, cable bill is, I know what, you know, how much I spend on video games every month. I, need, I mean, we start going down everything, and at the end we go like, huh, I don't have anything left. Okay, God, somebody else will pick me up this month. And think about that. Paul says it's about rhythm. It's about priorities. And what's the priority that we place in life? Where your treasure is, that's your heart. In Acts 2.42, we've come to know that, um, in Acts chapter two, we've come to know that that's like the chapter on the church, okay? And we, we find out how the church is defined and how, it, how it's put together. It's a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. Listen to what um, Luke writes here. He says, they joined with the other believers and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship usually meant that they were like, you know, playing dominoes or playing, you know, canasta or whatever games we play. Or they're, you know, they're hanging out. They're, they're, they're eating a meal. You know, somebody's bringing that, you know, green congealed salad that always shows up at church meals. You know, somebody's bringing a casserole. They're, they're fellowshipping. They're, they're eating together, sharing the Lord's Supper. So now all of a sudden, it's getting serious. So in, in addition to reading scripture and, and catching up on each other's lives, now we're gonna have the sacrament. We're gonna have the Lord's Sacrament and we're gonna pray together. And, and then beyond that, it says that they were together constantly. Now, what it doesn't say is that they liked each other all the time. It doesn't say that they never fought. It doesn't say they never disagreed. In fact, in fact, some of the greatest disagreements we'll ever see happened in the early church. Go read the book of Acts and you'll see all the disagreements. But they were together. They chose to be together constantly and they shared everything they had. They had it. You don't. I shared with you. 
It says that selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Does it say just a few people? It says all the people, enjoy the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Say that word, saved. Now what does that mean? It means that, that someone has discovered that God loves them. Someone understands the depth and the breadth of what God is willing to do to be in a loving relationship with you. And God wants you to understand what it means to be in a loving relationship with him. So we understand when we're saved, we understand that, that God loved the world so much that he came in flesh as Jesus. He died on a cross. He took away, our, he took our, away the penalty of our sin. So therefore, because Jesus, God cannot sin, took the sin, took that burden of that from us. So when we screw up, when we make a bad decision, when we sin, when we miss the mark with God, that we can be forgiven. We can seek that through repentance and be forgiven. But you see, when we look at 242 and this, this passage here of, um, that I just read to you, I bet the reason why people were added to the church daily was because people could see that the church was real. It wasn't that the churches wah, 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 wah about what they were about. And it wasn't like wah, 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 wah. Oh, they think that about them. They saw them who they were. And that was the important thing that comes to play here. They saw that Christians were different from everybody else. And they saw that Christians weren't afraid to serve God. That Christians weren't afraid to be generous and to give back to God in a powerful way. So giving represents this, this, um, this part of our spiritual walk. So when I give my time, when I, when I use the gifts that God has given me, the talents, when I give money, when I do all that in the kingdom's work through the life of the church, I'm fulfilling God's kingdom's plan for the reconciliation of the world. Now, this church, St. Paul United Methodist Church, it's probably one of the most generous churches I've ever known, okay? I'm not just saying that, I, I mean it. And um, through the years, there are times when, when we step up together, like backpack time and soon to be our open arms, um, Thanksgiving drive and Christmas drive and some other things that we do. We, we, we step up when, when we have needs, when, when we need funds for ministries and things like that. We step up. And God sees that, and, and, and God, it, it, it brings the joyous portion of God's heart to know that we're generous people. And I want you to understand that your generosity matters. When you volunteer, when you help out with a, with a financial gift, when you use your gifts and talents to serve God through this church, it matters. Kingdom work is being done, and heaven will be a crowded place because of what you do. So I wanna just share with you a little, a little glimpse. This isn't long, it's just a little glimpse so you can see some of the ways in which we are making a difference in our community through this video. Do you hear that? It's not always this quiet here at St. Paul where our mission is to glorify God, grow in faith, and give in love. What you're about to see is just a glimpse of how God is moving in and through our church. Also, you will see how we will do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus.
and join us as we step out in faith on this journey to make disciples who make disciples. The best is yet to come here at St. Paul. Amen. Why don't you, let's uh, give God a praise offering. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes we get caught up on how many people are actually sitting in a building for worship on Sunday, and I've come to know that the church isn't a building. I mean, we have hundreds of people that live stream, you know, every month, and and so it's not just what happens in this building, but it's also what happens in our ministries. And that was just a, a small glimpse. If, you, um, if you've been a part of St. Paul in any particular way, if you uh, have attended a few times, if you've, if you've helped um, in giving of your time or your talent, or if you've been here for a while, you should have received a letter from me this week. Um, and in that letter was a copy of this ministry uh, impact report for 2019. And I hope you took a chance to, to look this over. This really shares some significant ways in which God is at work and alive through this local church and about how we are making an impact um, in our community. If you didn't get a copy of one of these, um, let us know. We'll make sure that we get that to you. They're available in the church office. You can go on our app or on the website and catch it there as well. But I want you to be thinking about, because in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna have an opportunity to make our commitments to the ministry of this church for 2020. And as Felix said, um, the work doesn't stop. In fact, uh, greater things are coming. 
and it's gonna require all of us to come together. So we're gonna have a giving card that uh, if you didn't receive it in your letter, uh, you'll be getting it shortly. There's, there'll be some that'll be available here in the seats as well, and we want you to pray over that, how you will help, how you will help support the ministry and missions of this church for the year 2020. And let me thank you in advance uh, for all that you do and for the glorious things that we'll see. We're gonna come together on the 24th and we'll consecrate those cards here. Uh, if you're going out of town for Thanksgiving holiday, just send them into the office. We wanna include that here or you can do it online. Those of you that are live streaming, join up with us and make this church, uh, the mission and purpose of this church possible, amen?